See, this is why you should enj- you should take joy and strangle it as much as you possibly can out of it because Manchester United will ruin it for you every time, Paul. I've been saying this for years. Yeah, it, it, that reminds me of um, that great Darren Richmond tweet about how um, he wished he'd gloated more when United were successful because when they stopped being successful, uh, it's uh, it's grim. But we had some really, really wonderful times in the lead up to this weekend. You know, Barcelona <laughs> got absolutely ruined by Bayern Munich and Manchester City somehow conspired not to beat Leon last night. It felt like it was all going our way, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't see us. I wasn't. I was convinced we weren't going to win this one going into yeah, the game anyway, just to balance it out cosmically. But still, anyway, you know, a downcast start to this week's Red Voices, everyone. Thanks for joining us for what is... Now, 61 games later, the last game of the 2019-2020 campaign, it's all over. And Manchester United have unfortunately ended up without any silverware to show for it after crashing out their third semi-final this season. It's you and Leonard and Paul Gunning to discuss United's 2-1 defeat earlier on this evening to Sevilla, because of course it was Sevilla. Paul, how are we? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Um, it's been a slog, hasn't it, this season? But yeah, it's over now, and as... As negative as this feels, and it obviously is, you know me. I'm going to look at the positives. I think there are some positives to be taken, and now we can we can we can sort of regroup, players can get a well earned rest, and hopefully we can make a couple of signings and kick on next season. I think in other circumstances, I wouldn't find myself so frustrated with how that played out because, to be quite frank, I expected more from Sevilla tonight. You know, we mm. have seen more of them over the last several years, and they're not necessarily the most fantastic team. You know, they are incredibly effective at what they do. But I didn't expect United, especially in the way that we came out in the second half, to create as many chances as they did. But not only that, it was almost a carbon copy in terms of us in front of goal as it was against Copenhagen last weekend, wasn't it? You know, it was remarkable how many good opportunities and good openings United squandered this evening. And I think that therein lies the rub that that's the most frustrating thing by far this evening is that we created so much and passed up so many decent openings and opportunities i mean again you know a great evening by the opposition goalkeeper bono having a great evening but how many times did we legitimately test him i think is the easy answer to that how many of these shots were generally routine how where was where was our finishing where was our compass it wasn't quite there was it and it's weird, isn't it? Because you look back at sort of just when we got back from lockdown, like those those few weeks, we were on that amazing run and we were scoring goals for fun. And, you know, Martial in particular, but Greenwood and Rashford too, looked like, you know, pretty much anything they touched were going to turn to gold. And then suddenly it's just sort of dried up and we're still creating the chances, which is obviously good. But we just can't finish them. And yeah, goalkeepers, opposition goalkeepers that we played against have, have played blinders and really frustrating. And severe, particularly in the second half, they barely created anything, really. It was they all United. Nice and <laughs> they third... created nothing. Not yeah. a single thing, Paul, until they got that second Except goal. Except that but one we've big just seen one. This t- yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a tale as old as time. If you don't take your chances, especially in European yeah. competition, you're going to get done. And these these guys as well, Sevilla just know this competition, don't they? And mm. they just seem to have this kind of stranglehold on it. They, they know how to win it. And I, I don't know if maybe a bit of our inexperience shows through, not just tonight, but you know, in, in all three semi-finals really this season, but particularly tonight, um, because we are a very young team still. I just thought Solskjaer left his subs too late again, and he's done it. It's been it's been a bit of a story of the season, really. You know my feelings about Solskjaer, absolutely. Love him. I think what he's done is brilliant. It's absolutely incredible, but it clearly wasn't going to work. They got their their second goal, 
And I think then that's when you make the subs, or if not even even earlier. Well, you make him before. You, you don't wait that long. I mean, no, exactly. Know, starting, we haven't actually. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Let's go right back to the start of the game. You know, the, the starting yeah. line wasn't too dissimilar from what we expected, right? I think the big call was Fred ahead of Matic, but in especially in the first ten minutes, you could see why that decision had been made. You know, it was yeah. a very high energy, intense game, and Matic would have been completely overrun in those circumstances. Yeah, Fred didn't necessarily have a much better game than we saw on Monday against Copenhagen, but at least he was providing us with the energy that we needed to try and keep the ball and maintain the press when we were out of possession. And Lindelof coming in for Bay, I mean, oh, we'll get to the goals in a little bit. I don't think anyone in that back four made themselves stand out. No one distinguished themselves with their antics this evening. But yeah, it was a, at times an encouraging start from United. And the fact that we got fact that we got ourselves in the lead in the first 10 minutes, I thought that was going to be hugely significant to the way that game played out. And again, great work by Marcial and Rashford, almost a carbon copy of that goal they scored at Carroll Road against Norwich earlier on, way, way earlier on this season. Almost a year ago, in fact. But yeah, I mean, and an interesting one as well in the sense that the referee pulled it back for the foul by Diego Carlos, which was certainly a, a nasty tackle after the shot had been played. Yeah, you don't often see that, do you? And fair play to him. I think you know it was it was it was an certain foul, uh, but more often than not, what if you know if the striker's already taken the shot and the ball's gone, you don't see them pull back. And I mean, I I, I, I didn't really rate that referee tonight. I thought I don't know he was sort of up and down for me, uh, a bit pernickety at times. But you got that one right, I think. And then you, Bruno Fernandes when he steps up. I mean, even in a semi-final, you just know he's going to score. It must be a nightmare. The goalkeepers facing him in, in, a, in a penalty because, like he, you just don't know which way he's going to go. He looks like he's about to break into a virtual a dance or something. The way he skips before he before he hits it, and this one obviously absolutely smashed it. Brilliant penalty. And at that point, I don't know. He, he, I started feeling probably a little bit too confident. And actually, it was a really good game after that. It was a, it was a, it was a fantastic first half anyway. Um, quite end to end. I was quite impressed with Sevilla in the first half. Um, you know, but obviously it wasn't meant to be in the end. I think in particular, before the equaliser, the openings that United had, you look at the the amount of space and the amount of time United had to pick out the right pass to make the correct decision, and they kept making the wrong one. You know, the perfect example, Fred winning the ball in the middle of the park, passing it off to Bruno. There's no one on the right-hand side, and you're just thinking if you've got Martial or Greenwood floating into that position ahead of Bruno, you slide it into him and they're going to blast it into the back of the net. They end up with Fred, bless him, there in that position. Takes far too many touches, takes it too far wide and, and fires in a rubbish shot. And there were several occasions, you know, I remember one where Bruno was running towards goal and he hits the pass to the right when Martial and Rashford were both going to the left. You know, it, I don't know whether that was just a miscommunication between the two forwards in the sense that they were both occupying the same zone or what was going on. But, you know, how many opportunities did we have in that first half just to slide in the right pass or get the right shot off? And yeah. we just didn't connect at all. And that was the story of the entire game. And I wonder if, if some of that's... I know I keep going on about it, we keep going on about it, but I wonder how much of that might be down to mental fatigue as well as physical fatigue. Because prior to the match, Solskjaer was was going on about how yeah, you know the players are physically fit and they're going to be mentally fit for the game and this, that and the other... Um, and all, all that thing about you know it's a semi-final, so you know you, you don't you, you don't need energy almost for, for that semi-final. The, the, the fact that it's a semi-final gives you the energy, but it's not true. I mean, if you're knackered, you're knackered, and there were a number of players out there tonight who just looked. I mean, Wamba Saka looked spent after about five minutes, and the decision making. You know, 
again, you can come back to the fact that it's quite a young squad. You know, a bit of naivety creeps in, a bit of bit of nerves, pressure, all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't quite clicking, was it? it we'd, we'd do all the hard work and then, like you say, that final ball or the final run or whatever it might be, just didn't quite come off. No, and again, especially with those opportunities in the first half, I'm not necessarily sure the severe goal was coming, but they were giving us enough to think about to suggest that if given the space and the opportunities, they could certainly punish us. And, you know, lo and behold, they did. Yes, they got very lucky to get the initial header when you know Rashford goes up for the ball and defender, clearly touches it. And you know, obviously, VAR can't really pull it back for that because play's already continued. But I don't necessarily think that gets United off the hook. I think we had plenty of time to respond and react. And defensively, the shape just got pulled stretch completely Lindelof gets pulled out wide Wambasaka is not tracking the runner when he comes inside there I, I don't know if Maguire is looking to see if anyone's going to come in behind him but he stood still Williams isn't checking Suso and Suso taps in a really nice finish at the near post I'm not going to blame De Gea for that I think defensively all four players are somewhat capable for their positioning slash tracking slash awareness for what happened there it was just a poor goal to concede and I guess it's frustrating that we shot ourselves in the foot like that again. You know, that's been prevalent in a lot of the iffy results we've had over the last couple of months in the post-lockdown era. You know, it, it, it's not to say that it's been a complete killer for us, but we have been contributing far more to our to goals like that than the opposition has at times. You know, and it, it's down to a lack of concentration. You're right in the sense that there's certainly a mental tiredness and a fragility that comes hand in hand with that that can certainly affect you when you're playing football at this higher level. And as much as, you know, we keep saying it, it's true. Playing football in this context is so wildly different to anything any of these players have experienced, especially at this higher level. So there is an adjustment that comes to that. But by that same token, a lot of the teams that we played, especially in the semi-finals that we played over the last couple of months, have dealt with those scenarios better than we have. And United just didn't cope with it well enough. And then, you know, you look at the start of the second half. I've never seen anything like that from United. That 10 minutes was insane, remarkable, only for the fact that we somehow conspired not to score, given those openings. I was watching with my son and, you know, like you said a minute ago, I, I turned to my son and just said, you know, this gives me a really bad feeling because you get this number of chances, you've got to take one of them at least. You know, you got, you have to, in a semi-final, and this is the thing, isn't it? This is the, the this is the difference between a top, really top team and one that's kind of knocking on the door slightly, like United are at the moment. And it's these moments, these big, big moments where the big, big players step up and, and they bury those chances. They make them count. Um because we had enough, we had enough chances in that in that first ten fifteen minutes of the second half to literally just blow Sevilla away. Really, the semi final could have been over halfway through the second half. I mean, Sevilla weren't playing particularly well in the second half, but there's always a threat of them obviously on, getting catches on the break, and obviously that's exactly what they did. Let's take a quick break before we actually get to talk about that goal, just for a little bit of respite. Support for this week's episode of Red Voices is brought to you by Manscapes, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscapes offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscapes have just launched in the UK and are bringing their waterproof long-life battery electric trimmer to you so you can trim your nether regions in comfort with a cutting-edge ceramic blade 
to reduce grooming accidents, and a nice LED for those hard-to-reach places. As a loyal listener to Red Voices, you can get free shipping and 20% off of Manscaped's products and packages, no pun intended, by using a special discount code. So to get 20% off and free shipping, use the code REDVOICES, or one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code REDVOICES. I'm going to save this last line because it's marketing genius. Manscaped, make your testies their besties. Right, the second goal. I mean, there's not necessarily too much to talk about between that initial surge in the second half and then the goal itself from De Jong. I think United, I mean, I don't get me wrong, that 10 minutes or so was absorbing. Yeah. I vastly enjoyed watching it. I couldn't take my eyes off it. But once we hit that peak, United found it so, so difficult to create opportunities and really stretch severe after that moment. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, we'll, we'll hark back to what you said this evening and what you and I and Rich have said. And many other people have noted it's a very simple point to make, but it bears repeating. What is happening with the in-game management in these instances that is conspiring to provide us with situations where Solskjaer isn't making changes until that late on in the game? You know, it's 85 minutes into the game where Solskjaer's making a triple substitution. To me, the signs were there that United had hit a bit of a wall in the immediate 20 minutes or so after that initial surge in the second half. You know, the fluency was gone. We were lacking energy and we were struggling to make chances, you know, and the decision-making wasn't there. And at that point, you take a look at the game and think, this is finely poised. Do I keep bashing out what I've got with this team of very capable players who do look a little bit tired, or do I try and change things up? Lepetigui went and changed things up and made some positive changes that swung the game in Sevilla's favour, and they took their one chance and scored from it. Whereas Solskjaer just waited too long to make the changes and no one really was able to do anything. You know, the the goal itself as well. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously I'm disappointed, but there is a part of me that did enjoy seeing Bruno and Victor Lindelof go full on pelters for that argument. Lucas Pazito over at uh, Sport Witness saying that, you know, with a quick bit of Portuguese translation, Lindelof calling uh, Fernandes a son of a bitch for the criticism there. Who are we criticising for that second goal from De Jong there? I mean... Williams is struggling to keep a hold of the player from the cross anyway, and De Jong just seems to float in between the two of them, and no one's taking responsibility. And again, it's that difference, isn't it, between a, a top team and, and a, a top team just doesn't make a mistake like that. I mean, he was in acres of space with two of them who, who should, could, and should have picked him up. Wan Bissaka, he, he kind of was tracking him, and then I don't know. I mean, a, a few minutes before that, he, he'd made one of those tackles that you, you know when you play football and you just you completely goosed and you just sort of flop out a leg and you know we're not going to get the ball and he just he, he should have gone on the pitch at that point he should you know he looked tired from after about 5 minutes he shouldn't have been on the pitch at that point Lindelof we've just said it so many times haven't we he's got these mistakes in him he's got this lack of concentration a lack of awareness um i don't know De Gea can't be blamed for either of the goals tonight you do wonder no, I, no. I, I i do wonder whether you know how uh, how much faith the, the defence in front of them have got in him at the moment? I've said this before. Those nerves that that that, that players can experience when they've got a goalkeeper they know who, who they know isn't in great form at the moment playing behind them can lead to mistakes. And I don't know. It's it, it, the second goal is just a basic catalogue of errors, really. I mean, it's an uneasy alliance, uh, a distrustful alliance between that back four and De Gea, isn't it? Because there are certainly times when that back four isn't quite sure what they're going to get from De Gea. And rightly so, De Gea's not sure what he's going to get from that back four. It contributes to scenarios like that where no one seems to be 
taking responsibility. And yeah. Lindelof can have a go at Fernandez and fight his corner all he likes. More commanding defenders, better concentration stops goals like that from happening. Yeah. Someone takes charge, whether that's Maguire or Lindelof or Wambasaka or De Gea or whoever. Someone deals with that situation and it's not a goal. Yeah, That's the simple it, fact of it. If someone actually takes charge in that scenario, then we don't have these situations and we're not constantly having to do this. And the problem is with Vin- Lindelof in particular, we've seen this too often. Like He can't turn around to someone else and say, "This is I'm trying to defend myself here. If you're more attuned to what's going on, you've got a better reading of the game and you're aware of what's going on around you, who's not doing what or whatever, then this doesn't happen. But it keeps... <laughs> it does. It keeps happening. With Lindelof, even, even on his really good games, even when he... You know, he does something excellent. It's always always feels a bit sort of desperate and a bit last ditch. You know what I mean? So it's it's he's ne- he never seems to me to be in complete control or to be completely sort of self aware or aware of what's going on around him. And I think statistically, United's defense this season isn't that bad. But you know, statistics don't tell the whole story. When you watch them, you know, over the course of the whole of this season, when you're watching that defense with our eyes there's always a kind of a last gasp element to it and a, and a you know there was there were times against Copenhagen even <clears throat> when the ball was sort of up in the air and no one seemed to know what was going on and you know there's just there's there's a there's definitely something lacking in that United defence and that even at this level they get found out. So with the Champions League on the horizon the next season when United are potentially gonna be playing much better teams in Sevilla it's a bit of a worry. Mm. I mean, imagine coming up against that Bayern Munich side in the last 16 in, what, February time next year. The trouble is when, when you've got a defence that's so shaky and so sort of rocky, it means that the, the, the forward players can never quite go all out and express themselves. So against a, a team like Bayern Munich, it, you know, you'd, you'd worry that I think Solskjaer would just have to go more defensive because otherwise mm. it, they'd tear us apart. Because our defence isn't good enough. I mean, Williams, you know, he's had a fantastic breakthrough season. But positionally, you know, he, he can be found wanting sometimes. He's very, very young. And again, at this level, that gets exposed sometimes. Yeah, and I think this is, especially this game tonight, this is more telling of what we've known for a little while, that United are still not as far away as we were this time 12 months ago. But there's still significant work to do in the market to improve this squad where it needs tightening up an injection of quality you know that i don't fully see how we're going to be able to get to the next level with this back four and that's coming in with the you know the knowledge that this has been a really weird season it's been so long united have been playing football obviously with that three-month gap for the best part of the year there's been such a hangover it's been difficult to manage all that stuff i'm really well aware of that and i'm trying not to be too critical but if we're going to talk about getting United up to that next level, obviously there's still millions of question marks surrounding the board's suitability to provide those right players, Solskjaer's ability to coach them and improve tactically in terms of you know that step up to where Guardiola slash Klopp you know, et al are at at the minute. The defence that we've currently got in our possession, I don't think are good enough to get us to where we want to be. So no. there's one thing that we've got to consider there. And then you're thinking about... You know, looking at the bench, how many players have we got at the minute who are really capable of turning a game on its head and providing us with something different that's going to get us a result? You know, it's difficult to judge, you know, Matter or James too harshly, but again, we haven't seen anything different from what we already knew. You know, Dan James tonight, great ball into the penalty area, and he just doesn't attack the ball. You know, 
And he's not played consistent football for months, I get no, that. But at the same time, these are the things that we keep seeing. You know, these are flashes or mistakes or problems that we've known for a while. And at the end of a very long season, after a defeat like that, everything feels a little bit worse than perhaps it should be. And I think I think there's still plenty to take into the new campaign and plenty to have enjoyed out of the last 12 months. But at the same time, I think for it to have ended like this, it just, it just ends it on an unnecessary sour note, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Of course it does. Um, and obviously three semi-finals, you know, you look at it either way, can't you? We've got to three semi-finals and finished third. Now, I think the the main target this season was finishing the top four, which Solskjaer's done. Um, mm. And against all the odds, really, and under a huge amount of pressure at times this season, with a lot of people calling for his head, including a lot of Manchester United fans, to get to three semi-finals and finish third in his first season, I think it's probably ahead of schedule really you know probably overachieved in, in from in terms of his targets but the other side of the coin is we've got to three semi-finals and we've lost each, each one of them and you know not so much the the, the uh, EFL one but the, the the FA Cup semi-final and tonight like you said earlier is kind of the, the two defeats all of our own making I mean you had the De Gea mistakes against Chelsea and then the defensive lapses and concentration again tonight I mean, you can also argue that these defeats should... I mean, you can improve after defeats. Ferguson always used to say that. You know, all the top managers say that you have to use your defeats, learn from them, not let it happen again. So these young players will hopefully grow from this, these experiences. But, of course, it's massively disappointing. It would have been lovely to win some silverware. It would have been fantastic for, for Olga and Solskjaer to win, win some silverware. It's just, you know, it's getting over that line, isn't it? Yeah. You can very quickly become like a, a stick with which to beat a manager. Oh, yeah, you know, just yeah. perpetual semi-final loser kind of thing. We've seen I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say here. You know, the the winning a trophy this season would have given Ollie a little bit more breathing space. Yeah. Should things not go to plan next season. You know, you yeah. can look back at what he achieved over the course of a, you know, protracted season with an incredible unprecedented disruption in the middle of it being bringing in some good players who have you know helped in some key areas and you know really relying on some incredible attacking players you know and that would have getting the Europa League whilst it wasn't a be-all end-all for the season you're completely correct there would certainly have helped strengthen the notion that Solskjaer has got a couple more levels to go you know he's, he's got a couple more gears that he can get through in order to get United back to you know quite unquote the top level yeah. having failed in all three in different circumstances. Now with City, obviously there's a quality example there to be played and we were dealing with several injuries, but it wasn't fantastic. The Chelsea game, again, you know, the formation, the lineup, whatever you want to call it, was poor and the approach wasn't that great either. I mean, De Gea made a couple of real howlers and tonight, one thing goes our way, one better finish to either of Bono's left or right when Martial's clean through or wherever, and we're looking at a different game. But it's fine margins like that. You're going to constantly come into contact with fine margins like that when you're playing football at this level. And it's up to Solskjaer to minimise the chances of him failing. And, you know, I think now having season's all finished obviously it's ending on a bum note and we're recording right after the game so i'm aware that our feelings are a bit more pointed than they would be say if we're recording tomorrow with the full sort of context and thought of the season in our minds i think what's key for united now is how they decide to approach this next season you know are we gonna decide to splash the cash for sancho you know we know what the price is we know what the tag is are we gonna 
put the money in now we're going to decide now we could perhaps use maybe more investment in our defense or our defense in the field and maybe a slightly less uh extravagant right-wing option who knows you know i think it's key now for united to approach this transfer window going into next season in the right fashion though whatever happens and i think based on what Solskjaer was saying in the press conference he's fully aware of the need for united to improve quality but i think there's also an element to say that he has to improve the way that he manages this squad because especially coming into the next season, he must know full well that he can't flog the same talented crop of players constantly if United are going to get anywhere. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we're going back to since coming back from lockdown, playing these same players game in, game out, other than that one match against, uh, was it Norwich? It yeah, was Norwich. Because you kept on going on about it. Yeah, um, it's, you know, you can't get away with that. And, and it does come back to haunt you. It'll come back and bite you on your arse, and that's exactly what's happened. And... I mean, you look at the United bench this evening, and obviously Solskjaer didn't think there was enough quality on there, uh, or he didn't trust the players on there, I don't know. But, you know, you look at someone like Juan Mata, who's vastly experienced, he played pretty well when he came on against Copenhagen, you know, arguably changed the game. And, you know, Scott McTominay will certainly go out there and put in a shift for you, if nothing else. And like you said about Daniel, Dan James, I mean, he's, he's been you know, desperate at times, but he's quick and, you know, he could create something. Surely, you know, Garlo, there there are options on there, and it's a weird one for me. I don't, I'm not, sh- I'm not quite sure what it is about substitutions that Solskjaer struggles with so much. And he's got assistants next to him, you know, Mike Feel and Ma- Michael Carrick and, and others as well. You know, why aren't they in his ear? Saying tell him he needs to make a change. If we can all see it, how can he not? So, is it just a lack of trust in the players that he's it, got at his disposal? It must be, or is it, it just be. a lack of? knowledge of how to implement the players that he's got on the on the bench yeah you know is it down to not knowing an, an alternative style of play you know i've used that as a stick to beat guardiola with constantly over the last decade yeah and you know is that one of Solskjaer's failings you've got to have a backup plan in these situations especially in a game as tight as that and united didn't have one maybe slightly uh a bit of, of fear as well in in well if i take rashford off you know he's a potential goal scorer or if i take Greenwood off, you know, you lose that that flash of of, of sort of genius and two footedness that, that can strike at any point, and you know what I mean. So yeah, 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 it could be a bit of that, but he has to get over that if you if he really wants to, like you say, break into that sort of top tier of managers, he has to get over that, and it'll help to have better players on the bench. Of course, it will, but you know, you look at Ferguson and and some of the players he had and and the way he used them. That's the difference, isn't it? You know, you can you can bring um, lesser players on who you know are going to make a difference because you tell them what to do and you direct them and and you see what a game needs and, and what changes need to be made. Well, one of Ferguson's greatest strengths was getting the best out of less talented players Absolutely. and bringing them on at fantastic moments. You know, Solskjaer is a fantastic example or Park Ji-sung another where they could come onto games and have incredible influence or they yeah. might not play every game but when they came in they did a fantastic job and there is an element to say that you do need to know how best to balance your squad and use them and use their talents when your front players, your main players, aren't firing. You know, Rashford Blessing had a, you know, by his standard, yes, he's come back from a massive injury and that, again, is forming part of this answer. He had a bad game, you know, and it, it was he was on the pitch too long for my liking was. in that sense because it was clear that he wasn't creating and he was struggling to deal with what was in front of him. And... I think a braver manager makes that change quicker. 
I think a manager that's got more quality at his disposal might make that change quicker as well. But I do worry sometimes that Solskjaer is too married to, as you said, those flashes of brilliance and he expects his player to provide something even if they're having a terrible game. When the reality is it's only really the truly top class players that can provide those moments of magic even when they're stinking the place up. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily sure the likes of Martial, Rashford and you know, obviously Greenwood as well are quite there yet. Not to say they can't get there because I fully believe they can. But I think Solskjaer's got to start spreading that responsibility and the workload to some other players going into the next season. Just before we get into Twitter questions anyway, Paul, I mean, you know, we've still got our wonderful, fantabulous, all-encompassing player-reviewed episode before we actually close the book Indeed. on this very long season, which we started recording <laughs> back in July of 2019. What comes into your head when you think about this season based on where we were, you know, 12 months ago? Genuinely, I'm I'm actually overjoyed. I'm I'm, I'm... I've been, I've really enjoyed this season. It has been long. It has been a slog. Obviously, that's not all to do with not all, uh, not all United's fault or Solskjaer's fault. It's just the way it's panned out. But I think going into the season, I was I wasn't sure we'd get top four. I thought that the squad was probably not quite good enough to get top four. I think Solskjaer's done a fantastic job in that respect. I've been really excited to watch some of the young players coming through, the likes of Williams and Greenwood. Um, some of the new signs done brilliantly. I, I, I just think it's it's actually instilled some excitement back into into my life. Um, watching this United team, I like this United team again. Um, after the the sort of darkness of the Mourinho years, when I actually started to sort of actively despise the team. So <laughs> it's genuinely, I, I've loved it. Um, I'm over the moon for Solskjaer that he's got that top four. Obviously, we now have to kick on because to, just getting top four is just nowhere near good enough for this club. Um, but overall, I think it's been a really, no. really positive season. The simple fact to look at, go back to that Burnley game. Remember what things were like then. And yeah. I know we used that callback a lot and we have done when we tried to mitigate bad results over the last couple of weeks. But Rich and I were convinced at that point in the season that Solskjaer was done. You know, what more could he do? And You've got to give the man credit for where we've ended up this season. Yes, we've failed in three semi-finals, and that stings. You know, it sucks. You know, it's disappointing, yeah. especially because it's the first time since what is it? The late eighties since United have not won a trophy over the past three years. It is gutting that the season's ending this way. But I do think if we pull ourselves back, look at the season as a whole, look at the huge dips we've had, and look at where we potentially could go. You know, there is a pathway forward for us. There is a yeah. style of football that we know we can play with the right backing and with the right players, with the right setup. And that gives me hope and excitement for what is going to come in the next year or so. Definitely. Sure. I think I think as well, just, just really quickly, um, going back to that Burnley match, I know there's a bit like it, I mean, because there were some other really wretched performances this season, particularly that, that Burnley one. Solskjaer couldn't have survived that if he didn't have his players behind him. We've seen it in the past with other managers now, with Moyes and Van Gaal and Mourinho, when they have a bad result and you sort of... I, I, I didn't think he would go after that. But you can see the writers on the wall because the players stop believing in a manager and, and sort of down tools a little bit. And that never happened with Solskjaer, not once this season. There have been poor performances, but at no point did it look like the players had sort of turned against him. And that's got to be a positive as well. No, sure. I mean, <laughs> the players didn't turn against him. That's a real low bar to cover for Manchester United these days. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? <laughs> there was no revolt. Woo! <laughs> 
Oh man, I mean, we'll cover this in a bit more depth, I guess, in the last episode of the year, and then I guess we, you know, there's there's no news to talk about in terms of any incoming transfers, so I guess we can just move on to Twitter questions. But despite the disappointment of tonight, and I know we've talked a lot about the problems that United are facing this game and across the season in particular as a result of what we've seen this evening or examples of what we've seen this evening, but. I don't know if I've got massive confidence in Solskjaer being able to move on from where we were now, but I do think that given how we've proceeded in this season and how things have turned out, he certainly deserves the time to continue crafting this team and creating a squad that can potentially compete on several fronts at once. I think, again, as I said, the fact that we didn't get to a final and didn't lift a trophy is potentially going to be a stick to beat him with if things don't turn out better next year. So I think that adds the pressure on him. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that there should be pressure on Solskjaer to continue to prove himself because, you know, every United manager has got that same noose around their neck if they don't perform. And I think for Oli now, we know that he can get as close to winning competitions. We know that he can get us in the Champions League places, albeit in the midst of a ridiculous league season, an unprecedented league season. Now it's up to him and the board to plot a path to get United up to that next level you know it remains to be seen whether it can happen but I have more confidence of him getting us there than I have I think of any post-Ferguson manager taking us up to that level by by far yeah by a long way definitely right Paul let's finish up with a couple of Twitter thoughts and questions from our good friends right Stephen Roberts uh, many of the problems but the officiating in this game was dreadful their centre-back, I'm guessing Diego Carlos, made three yellow card-worthy challenges and gave away what should have been a stonewall penalty. Now, that tackle on Bruno, I mean, they're both going for it, but Carlos hasn't got on any of the ball. Do you remember that opportunity in the, just towards the end of the first half? Absolutely. I mean, it is penalty FC. That's very true. And someone came up with the best pun ever, which was Bruno Penandes, which, fantastic. Chef kiss. Absolutely enjoyed I, I that. I saw a, a slightly worse pun, which was Penchester United. Doesn't quite um, work doesn't quite roll off the tongue, does it? No. Andy McCoy, harsh lesson, but it's a young squad that will learn from this and have that extra desire for next time. Certainly happier to lose having attacked and outplayed a team than the bile served up for our previous manager, which is an excellent point. Last time we got knocked out by Sevilla, that was a pure... I mean, that was a... (laughs) That defeat was down to us in a different way. We defeated ourselves with an incredibly negative and a poor approach you know tonight we lost because we couldn't stick the ball in the back of the net despite several chances and a couple of defensive mishaps you know i'd much rather lose a tie this way than definitely i mean neither's ideal don't get me wrong no but i'd much rather have lost tonight having given a really good account of ourselves and just come up short in our finishing than what we served up several years ago yeah and even even when we won this competition under Mourinho, obviously it's fantastic to win a trophy of course it is it always is i think i've probably said this before but there was some, for me, and this is just my personal, how I personally felt, there was kind of a hollowness to it because, you know, even the final, we didn't play particularly well, we were quite negative and obviously just the, the entire Mourinho kind of show and all the sort of holding up three fingers after the match and stuff, like obviously it's great to win a trophy but I don't know, it didn't have the same um, impact and, it, and it's because of the way we played and, that, you know, Maybe you know, as United fans were spoiled, and there's all this, you know, the oh, the Man United way and all that kind of thing. But there's some truth to it, you know. We want to be entertained. We want to at least give it a go. We don't want to become perpetual kind of um, heroic losers. Of course, we don't. I can't remember the name of the, of the guy. Sorry, who, um, who who tweeted that in, but he's absolutely right. 
And Greta Muller, a uh, great question from her. Do we still want one brilliant white ringer if that means we can't afford strengthening our back four in midfield? I'm not sure anymore. I know I was fully on the we're signing Jane Sancho train early on in this transfer window, but I'm starting to lean away from that possibility. I mean, I think at the minute it certainly seems that Dortmund, rightfully so, aren't budging. And if you're talking about a full outlay of £120 million, obviously we wouldn't be paying all of that up front now because not even United have got that much money. You're thinking perhaps United could spread that money, if it's available to them, say £100 million, on a useful right winger who would come at less of a cost but improve our quality of the squad and maybe a midfielder or another centre-back because... I, don't get me wrong, I would still love to sign Jaden Sancho, but I think that would surely spell the end of our transfer business for this summer if we get him. I can't see that we've got any of the money available to us, and Rich knows plenty about the accounts, and I think he's saying the same. And that would certainly improve our ability to score goals and create chances and perhaps get a better outcome in games such as this. But it doesn't fix the fact that we've got a leaky back four at times that completely loses its concentration, and it certainly doesn't help when we've got... Fred and Matic as our best defensive midfield options, neither of which, though they have their pluses, are ideal. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm starting to agree. I mean, again, like you, obviously, Sancho would be a fantastic signing, but then you, you sort of risk becoming Kevin Keegan's Newcastle, don't you, where you have to, you have to score four or five <laughs> goals every game. The more I've watched in, in, in the last few weeks, the more I've started to think, actually, you know what, I'm not sure right wing is, a, is the priority. You know, Greenwood isn't a right winger. But he can play on the right wing and he can't play there week in, week out over the course of a full season. Of course he can't, but, you know, have we got enough to sort of get by for now? I think the, the, if we could only make one signing this summer, or whatever you want to call it, I, I think I'd have to go centre-back. Oh, I see, I've been tempted to go for a really good all-action with, uh, defensive midfielder. I just think... Fred's got the energy, Matic has got the now. Smash those two players together and you've got the ideal defensive midfielder for me. And I think that helps us a lot in games such as tonight where Fred getting that booking so early on certainly didn't help matters and obviously he can't be anywhere near as physical as he perhaps would have liked to be as a result. And I think someone who can control the game and dictate the, dictate the pace a little bit more, mop up, protect that back four properly and add a decent screen would seriously help the confidence and the lack of trust that the keeper and that back four clearly have for each other. All right, our old buddy Phil Matic. Season's been a bit of a slog the last month, not particularly surprising the way it ended, but thank goodness we had already secured third, or this would have hurt more. <laughs> imagine. imagine imagine if we had finished fifth and not gotten that victory. It would have obviously been a completely different, wouldn't it, tonight? Because we would have been going out... We would, we would have been so desperate. I mean, we potentially could have lost by more than one goal because we would, you know, we would have had to throw everything at it. I think he's right, yeah, you know, obviously it's for, the fact that we, we we got top four, I mean, that was always going to be the priority this season. This was it was kind of a bonus. It's still disappointing though. Uh, at Nathan Downey, is Ollie at fault for that? No changes till five minutes after they take the lead, then we clearly needed changes before they scored the second. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Again, how much is this is down to Ollie's complete distrust in the players that he has available to him who don't start games, and how much is it struggling to think of an alternative way to play when we're, you know, coming up against a bit of a wall and we're having a bit of a mental block. Uh, Tariq Amir made enough chances to win, but alas, just couldn't put the game to bed. Over to Ed and Matt now, as Ollie has shown them what he thinks of the overall depth. Yeah, he really has shown them what he thinks. <laughs> Maybe this is all just political gamesmanship. I mean, do you think Ollie's the type to do that? 
No, I don't. One of the things I like about Ole is that I always feel like he's got the, the club's best interests at heart. And he would have been desperate, I think, to win a trophy this season. I don't see him as being kind of a, you know a, a mini Mourinho and and trying to make political points with the team selections. So no, I, I don't think he, I think he just genuinely doesn't believe he's got players capable of going on and changing the game. Simple as that. Jay Motta just made an excellent point on Twitter saying that how much of this now in terms of how far United can go is going to be on the board. You know, they cut corners by not bringing in Bruno Fernandes earlier on this season, whether or not that was uh, Ollie's call or the board's call or combined decision. It was the wrong call because who knows what we could have seen this season had we had Fernandes from back in August. Not necessarily sure we're going to win the league, but you would say it gives us a potentially more of a chance of winning a cup competition. But there Absolutely. we go. Yeah, I mean... Let's leave it there for the evening, Paul. I mean, we I don't really... I mean, I can, you can give me a prediction for next season if you want. We haven't really got a game to talk about for a little while now. <laughs> oh, my God. I've no idea. I mean... It... <sighs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. It's 5 to 11. Let's call it there. Let's call it, yeah. I want to start mentally prepping for the player review episode. I can't wait. I mean, I'm going to give you Marcus Rocco, just to be sure. <laughs> well, as long as it, we, I've got an hour to speak about him. All right, mate. Pleasure. Take care, man. And that's that. The season is <laughs> long last and undusted. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Indeed, all the episodes that preceded it in this long, winding season. It's much appreciated. Don't forget, we do still have one more episode up our sleeve. That'll be the Player Reviews episode, which we'll be recording next weekend. But in the meantime, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. You can get Rich at, at Rich Red Voices, Paul at Paul Gunning One, at me at you and like this, and the podcast itself, if you're in doing so, at Red Voices MUFC. You can also find our blog at redvoices.net. The podcast itself can be found on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or Acast, or even YouTube, should you so fancy it. You've got options, is what I'm getting at. And finally, before we wind off this week, don't forget you get 20% off and free shipping for all Manscaped products and packages at manscaped.com by using the code REDVOICES. That's all one word. Head over to manscaped.com to browse their available packages for your bits and take a look at their actually quite cool stuff. As mentioned, we'll be back in a week's time. Take care of yourselves. See you then. Cheerio. Cheerio.